Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner here with Seth Engel for our second Penn State football show. We're going to be doing this every Wednesday. Um, We're actually going to be rolling out a whole list of new content here before the fall. This is one of the first things that we're starting to drop because we have everything kind of in place logistically. So uh, we're excited to talk more Penn State. We got a great reception last week. So Seth, how are you? Um, Are you in Happy Valley right now? Yeah, I'm back. School started on on Monday, so it's been busy. I've been covering the Little League World Series as well, so I've been traveling in between State College and Williamsport, um, and then trying to work in you know my football stuff on the side. You know, season's coming up pretty soon. Yeah, next week we'll be talking about Penn State West Virginia, but for now, the news is still a little bit a bit light. Uh, training camp in in college is not the same as the NFL, where we get to watch practice and react to what's happening in practice. There's no preseason games for us to react to. Um, So I figured now would be kind of a good day to kind of, on a season preview type of level, go through some Penn State over-unders and and some of the, you know, the big name players. What do we think they're going to do statistically in 2023? Um, So these are not Vegas. I don't think you can go on in your DraftKings app or anything and and place any bets on these. These are just Adam Bittner set over-under totals, kind of looking at what happened last season and, kind of judging, hey, can they make this next step in terms of statistical growth? So, Seth, the first one I want to get into with you is Catron Allen and Nicholas Singleton. What is their over-under in yardage going to be? Last year it was 1,928, so just a little bit shy of that 2K symbolic mark, the 2K for LJ, as I always think about uh, the, the iconic Steve Jones call. Seth, I decided I wasn't going to set it at 2,000 because I think we think that they can get there, right? Because they were already so close. So I I really went back and forth. How high should I set it? And I initially did 2,400. And then I was like, oh, that seems like a lot. I'm going to dial it down to 2,200. So why don't we just talk about both of them, Seth? Let's start with 2,200 over under that threshold. Do you think that that's a good one? Do you think that they can get there? Um, that's a little, a little under 300 yards uh, more that they would need to make up from last season when they were already very productive. I think it's very doable. I, that's exactly where I'd place mine. Um, I mean, it comes down to, you know, how much production are you going to get from both of them? Cause that's why it, it worked so well last year is they, there's such different play styles between Nick and Catron. Um, I think Catron absolutely could crack a thousand this year. And if he does, and Nick Singleton is also cracking a thousand again, I mean, that makes 2,200, I think very doable. Um, when you look at the run game, though, it really comes down to you know how much are they actually going to utilize the pass? 
um, especially compared to last year. And, you know, with a new first-year starting quarterback and, you know, a num new number one wide receiver this year, there could potentially be more run game than we saw last year, at least in the first couple weeks until, you know, that pass game really, really figures itself out and gets comfortable. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to go over on 2,200 as well. But what do you think of 2,400? Because I think then you're starting to get into that territory of, I think they want to pass a little bit more with, with Drew Aller and the abilities he has. Um, so, so you're starting to wonder how many yards or how many snaps are going to be available for these guys. And can they get to a number that big, even if they're both very good? Or is this going to be a matter of, you know, maybe they're capped at around 2,200, maybe 2,250, something like that. But they're still, you know, very efficient runners getting five, six, seven yards of carry maybe. 24 is hard. Because then you look at the average among the two of them is, is 1,200. And I just don't know if that's like, if there is enough, you know, are, is there enough opportunities to make an average between two running backs of, of 1,200? Um, I think Nick Singleton could rush for well over 1,000 yards this year. And I think Catron has the ability as well, as I mentioned before. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's placing it high. So if you're, if you're a betting folk, I don't know if I would uh, – I don't know if I'd go above 23. Yeah, and especially in some of those early season games, Seth, you know, I think last year those guys played in those games a little bit more because they were new on the scene. They were freshmen. They were the guys who were kind of supposed to be, you know, working their way into the rotation, and then they became the rotation, right? So right. I'm wondering if they're going to get as much opportunity to do that. If if you're blowing out, you know, Delaware 55 nothing, what do you have the game by keeping Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in there? And if they both have 50 yards, but, you know, you, you scored three touchdowns on your first three drives, are you going to want to manage those guys a bit so that they can be good, you know, going into the games that really matter? So I, I think that is what would make 2,400 hard as well is I think that's going to limit their opportunity too is that now they're the guys and there's no question about it. And, and that's going to eat into the amount of time they're left in in games that are pretty well decided. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also a point of emphasis that, Trey Potts is now added to this room. You know, Penn State, when Kevon Lee wasn't playing that much in the second half of the year, it really was only Katron and Nick running the show. They, they didn't have another scholarship back. Um, you know, there was Tank Smith, but he was a walk-on. So now they actually have a, a seasoned veteran and Trey Potts coming in and a couple of freshmen as well to round out the room. They have options if, if you know, games get blown out late against like Delaware or other teams like that. Next one I want to ask you about, Seth, is Drew Aller and his passing totals, um, kind of working off of Sean Clifford's. I, I'll be curious to see what you think in, in terms of, you know, where these guys are going to – where he's going to line up compared to Clifford because I think there's obviously a lot of trust in Clifford. He was a six-year quarterback. Um, you know, he had the freedom to do a lot of things. I don't know if we're going to see that from, from Drew Aller. So we'll start with the yardage prop. Um, 3,000 was what I said as the over-under. Sean Clifford got to 2,800 last season. Um, but he, you know, he didn't really, he didn't quite get to 3000. So I figured 3000 would be a nice baseline to kind of set things at. So I'm going to go under with this one, Seth. I think they're going to like try to manage Drew Aller a little bit and, and maybe get a little bit more efficiency out of him than they can, than they had with, um, with, with Sean Clifford, but maybe you're just not going to get the volume of attempts because I think that dials up the chances that you're going to make a costly mistake and and maybe they're not quite – maybe he'll prove by the end of the season, hey, we can cut him loose, similar to how we did with Sean Clifford. But I think that's something he's going to have to earn in terms of trust 
with this coaching staff. What say you with your uh, with your inside scoop? Yeah, I mean, Sean Clifford started for four years. Um, a lot of people thought it was eternity. He only passed for over 3,000 yards in a season one time, and it was in 2021 when Penn State didn't have a run game at all. Um, it was a terrible run game, and they were forced to throw the ball because they had Jahan Dotson. Um, this year, it's a very different scene. Um, Aller's never started a game before. The running game is proven. I think it's pretty safe to assume that he'll throw for under 3,000 yards. Yes, I think he has the ability to, you know, maybe throw for 3,000 this year or maybe next year. Um, but if I'm a betting man, I'm, I'm going under just based on kind of how good that running game is and how inexperienced he is as a starter. Yeah, I just don't think Penn State wants to to win games that way with with the way with, with what their makeup is. You got to highlight your strengths, and I think that's definitely the running game. I'm not sure if that's the receivers yet, so I think three thousand is going to be tough to get to. Um, I want to throw some kind of more efficiency stats at you, see what you think about them. Um, Sixty five was about Sean Clifford's completion percentage last season. Um, he had seven interceptions and he averaged eight yards per attempt. Um, do you think that Drew Allard goes over any of those three numbers? Um, I had originally set the over/under at ten for interceptions, but let, let's just start with: Do you think do you think he's going to go over any of those? Um, and and if so, which ones? Yeah, it's really hard to say. I mean, I will. If we're going with the trend that the running game's going to kind of control this offense, at least for you know the start of the season, I think it's safer to kind of pick percentage um, if he's not throwing the ball as much, or maybe they don't trust him to, you know, throw it deep as much as maybe other quarterbacks uh, with more experience had before um, that could boost his, his uh, percentage. Um, I think they're also going to try to ease him in. So they're probably going to go, you know, shorter yardage in those first couple games and maybe try some things out if they get a, if they get a big lead. Um, I think 10 interceptions, is possible. I, mean, I don't, it's hard to say because we really haven't seen Drew. Um, but I mean, what we do know is he's a young quarterback and young quarterbacks, you know, make mistakes with reads and it's nothing really against him. It's just, it's a learning curve. Like it's a, you know, it's a big step up from playing high school ball um, or even stepping up late in the fourth quarter. Like he did 10 times last year against, you know, second or third string defenses. And, you know, I will say I don't think 10 would be a terrible number from, a you know, a, a yeah. sophomore quarterback in his first year playing. I, I think that was one of the big selling points of Sean Clifford is he was so responsible, um, you know, and, and if you take out the Ohio State game, there was, you know, he was very responsible with the football. And I think that was one of his main selling points as a guy. So I think if it creeps up with Drew Aller, I don't think that that's necessarily a terrible thing. You just don't want that to happen, I think, in the big moments like it did with Clifford last year yeah. uh, against Ohio State in particular. Um, if I was going to pick one of those numbers to go over, I'm going to go with the yards per attempt. I actually do think that they're going to let him take some shots down the field because he can make throws that not a whole lot of college quarterbacks can make. And I think I think they're going to want to use the run to set up his ability to hit some bigger plays. Um, and and listen, I mean, Sean Clifford's arm was was just not what Drew Aller has. And, and I think that that limitation was reflected in the offense Penn State ran last season. If you don't have that with Aller, and if he's not throwing a ton of passes and you're really kind of trying to choose your spots, I actually think he could be a little bit more efficient in that yards per attempt category, even if he doesn't approach the total in terms of yardage that we saw 
from Sean Clifford. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, the fact that Sean Clifford wasn't, or at least in the past couple seasons, I, mean, I think Penn State really stepped back in terms of their explosive plays, specifically in the pass game. That's really something that's that's lacked for a while, um, reminiscent of you know, Penn State in 2016 and 2017, probably the last time they were truly competing for, you know, a playoff spot. Um, that's what they were known for. That was Joe Moorhead's offense was, okay, we're going to have Trace McSorley kind of just chuck a deep ball to, you know, Mike Asicki or Chris Godwin um, or Saeed Blacknell. And that's really just not something that we've seen the past couple of years. So now you bring in a guy like Drew who, you know, we know kind of has a cannon. We don't know how accurate it is, but we know he can throw the ball pretty far. Um, so, you know, maybe they do kind of let it loose and then balance it out with, with, with that good run game. That's, that's already, you know, kind of proven itself. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think I'd go over on the interceptions by a little bit, but I don't think it's a terrible thing. Um, I would say the completion percentage would go a little bit under. Um, and I think it'd be a great sign if he was up at 65 plus percent. Um, you know, for where he can be, especially next year. And then I'll, I'll go, I'll go over on the yards per attempt. Um, so, you know, those are my three there. Uh, let's get into some of the other guys on this offense. Um, I had a, the over under, I, I said over under 700 yards for Keandre Lambert Smith or someone else. Um, so I guess let, first let's debate just in terms of is Penn state's number one receiver, whoever it emerges out to be, um, you know, are they going to get over that 700 yard threshold this year? Are you going to see a little bit more kind of like we saw in 2020 or 2019, where so much concentration was in Pat Fryermuth, um, KJ Hamler, and, and those guys put up some big numbers, or, um, do you think that the total might stay low just because as we were talking before the yardage total might be low. So naturally that might pull down what you can expect from any one of these receivers. So let's talk about the, the, you know, the number one receiver is a hypothetical thing. And then maybe we can talk about who is the most likely guy in that receiver room to hit that number. Yeah, I mean, very easily, I can tell you. I think Keandre Lambert-Smith is expected to be that number one guy. And we talked about this, you know, on the last episode, too. That's just the expectation. You know, whether he actually becomes that over the course of the season, we'll see. I think that 700 yards is absolutely doable. At this point in his career, he's, you know, started for the past few seasons. This isn't new to him. He's just the guy now. Um, that's the expectation as a number one receiver. You should have more than 700 receiving yards in a season. That's just, you know, basically, that's, I don't know. That's, that's just what he's supposed to do. I will say that tight ends, I don't know if we were planning on discussing that later. Tight we ends, could, they could steal a little bit of the, uh, a little bit of the show from him. Um, Cause I think, you know, I, I think that Drew is going to, is going to like to throw to Theo Johnson and I think that Theo Johnson's, you know, poised for a breakout year. We'll discuss that a little later. Um, but that could take some potential yardage away from Keandre Lambert-Smith. Um, I expect, you know, over 200, maybe even over 300 from Amari Evans, um, somewhere around 500 from, from Trey Wallace this year. Um, that's just kind of in order of, of where they are. And Dante Cephas, we'll see how he adjusts. It's still really hard to pinpoint where he is in that depth chart, but... 700 yards for Keandre Lambert-Smith should absolutely be attainable. Well, I'll tell you why I said it there, Seth, because um, I agree with everything you're saying, but uh, Parker Washington ended up being the number one guy in this offense last season with 611. So he was well below that 700 mark, um, you know, and, and I think the offense worked pretty well. So I'm just curious, uh, I guess what we're talking about here is how much do you think they really want to consolidate into Keandre Lambert-Smith versus some of these other guys 
that you're talking about is, is that what gives you the confidence is that you feel like they are going to try to consolidate more of the targets into him and therefore it's going to be inevitable that he, he hits that yardage threshold in a way that maybe Parker Washington didn't last year. Yeah. I mean, Parker Washington was also hurt for the last two games of the year. Yeah, so if he's at six, 11, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he would have hit that mark, especially when they passed as much as they did in the Rose bowl. Um, so for Keandre to step into the same shoes as him and also, I guess, play more out wide than Parker did in the slot. You know, I think that just should set up more big play yardage, especially because we know that's what Keandre likes to do. We saw it in the Rose Bowl. Um, that's that's kind of his thing is to break away. Um, it's really just that consistency and short yardage, especially with his hands, that I think is going to make the most difference and, you know, get his uh, get his receptions up this year. If you had to pick one of the other guys, and I think you've already kind of answered this to some degree, who is the other guy that you could imagine stepping up in a way that we don't expect and, and maybe threatening that 700-yard threshold himself, um, you know, compared to – because I, I think that happens a lot with Penn State receivers as we work off last year, right? And sometimes someone emerges out of nowhere and they put up some really big totals. So of that group, who do you like the most to, to maybe, you know, regardless of whether Keandre Lambert-Smith gets there, who could be the other guy that, that challenges that number? Yeah, it's so hard to say because the whole room is just so unknown right now. You know, we 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 really don't know. We we only kind of we see little pieces of it in practice, and we hear from coaches. I think Amari Evans is a guy that he, he, people have talked about him since he you know first stepped on campus, um, and he wasn't one of the top recruits in that in that 2022 class that had you know three five stars. So this is a guy who kind of just worked hard played in, you know, double-digit games last year, burnt his red shirt, and now he's in, you know, real position to potentially start this year. Um, he's a guy that I think, you know, could make an impact. And I think 200 to 300 receiving yards for him this year is absolutely attainable. Um, he's really fast. So you can kind of just plug him into the slot, um, and he can just outrun people. I mean, you run a slam, he's going to outrun his defender. You know, that's it's pretty easy to, to hit him. Um, especially since him and Drew already have a connection, having come into the same recruiting class. Um, Dante Cephas, I think people expect to have a big year. I just, it, we just don't know if he's if he's ready to step up at the moment. Yeah, I think that'll be the, the big X factor. Is what are their real plans for him? Um, have they been sandbagging us by having him run with the second team, or you know what, what's what's going what's really going on there? I think that's going to be fun to find out, especially in the early going. Um, let's get into the tight ends. I know you want to talk about the tight ends, uh, Seth. I set the over-under at 800 for the combined total of Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. Um, with Brenton Strange in the group last season, I think they were a little bit over 700. Um, so 100 yards more as a group. Um, I think you're going to say over, so I'm going to ask how far. Do you think that group can those, – those two guys can get over that number? Yeah, I would definitely go over there. I think Theo Johnson could, you know, have anywhere from 400 receiving yards to maybe even close to 1,000 this year. It really just depends how Mike Yersich wants to use him. Um, I think that he's always had the potential. It was really just a matter of, A, him staying healthy. He missed a couple games to start the year last year. And, B, just fitting in. You know, I think he would have been a perfect fit in those Joe Moorhead offenses that I discussed earlier um, where they're going deep a lot um, and really utilizing the tight ends as almost a wide receiver. Theo's like that. I mean, that's just the kind of guy he is. 
And Tyler Warren, who people haven't been discussing, discussing enough, has played good minutes for the past couple of years. Like he, Penn State knows what they're getting in both of those guys. Um, I wouldn't say Tyler's as much as a deep threat as Theo is. So I think Theo's going to, you know, have more receptions and more targets and also more yardage. Um, but Tyler Warren's that X factor in the red zone that, you know, Penn State's utilized heavily over the past couple of years. Yeah, I'll just be curious to see. Like, I just remember Tyler Warren. He, he's a clutch guy, right? He makes some of those really tough plays at the right times. But if you look at his actual numbers, sometimes they're not what you'd expect. I'll be curious yeah. to see how involved he is on a more every down basis and if that, you know, drives his numbers up a little bit. Um, as opposed to just like you're saying, there's only 20 yards you can get in the red zone, right? So even if he's very effective down there, right. you may you still may not have great stats if, if that's primarily where you're operating. So I'll be curious to see how he fits into the every down offense. Um, let's move to defense, Seth. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the All-American candidates that the, the you know Penn State has on that side of the ball. Um, I set the over-under for the, this question at 10 for both guys, Abdul Carter and Chop Robinson. Um, can they get to 10 sacks this season? Um, both were great last year. Both didn't really get super close to that number. Um, but if, especially Chop Robinson, if you looked at his pass rushing stats last year on Pro Football Focus, he was one of the best pass rushers in the country. He was consistently getting after quarterbacks. He just wasn't getting home a ton um, you know, compared to what his rate stats would suggest he should be. Do you think we see those guys get over 10, one of them or both of them get over 10 this season? Um, I guess particularly Chop Robinson because I think the statistical, um, you know, the statistical analysis would say yes, he can get there. But um, you know, sometimes it doesn't play out that way in reality. Yeah, I mean, I think the ability is there for both of them. Um, I think something important to remember is that Chop Robinson, you know, wasn't a full-time starter last year. Like Nick Tarburton had that defensive end spot locked up, um, which limited some of the snaps that he would play in. So I think now if Chop is to you know, earn that full-time gig beside Adisa Isaac, you know, I think the ability is there. Um, he had five and a half last year. Um, I think 10 is doable. You know, I think he has taken a step up this year. He was great last year, but I think he's gotten better. Um, that's what people have been saying too. And we've seen it. He's bigger. Um, he's quicker. I, I just think there's going to be a big year for Chop Robinson. Abdul Carter is another guy. I mean, he was a true freshman last year, and he he was insane. I mean, I, there's there's really no other way to put it. He was incredible. Um, he earned you know the comparisons to Micah Parsons very early, and for good reason. Um, you know, ten and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. You know, if he had six and a half sacks as a true freshman, you absolutely cannot rule out ten sacks um, in his second season. So, I think that ten is a good mark for both of them. I feel like that has to be the expectation, if not a little higher. Um, but, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a big year for Chop Robinson. I, I expect that he hears his name called relatively early in next year's NFL draft. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting just to see, can they both do it? Can they both get – and that, that's 20 sacks between two guys. And if they if they do get to that number, how many sacks is this whole Penn State defense getting? Is this going to be one of the better pass rushing defenses we've seen at Penn State in a long time at a place that, that has had a lot of great you know, guys who can get to the quarterback, a lot of great pass rushers. Um, do you think these guys have a potential, I guess, I don't know what the record is. I probably should have looked it up ahead of time. Do you think these guys have a chance to threaten some Penn State records? 
Yeah, I mean this this Penn State defense is incredible. Um, I think what's what sets this uh, this team apart from others in the past, at least other successful ones, is the fact that those holes that they've kind of had on their teams, where I think you look at defensive line, secondary, those were always you know the defensive problems in 2016, 2017, even 2019 when they won the Cotton Bowl. Um, those are not a problem at all anymore. You know, Penn State does have one of the best secondaries in the country this year, and their defensive line is extremely dynamic, especially because it's it's different than a lot of these defensive lines across the country where they're not just loading the trenches with these, you know, just random 350-pound dudes. They have athletic defensive tackles that are able to, you know, rush the passer and potentially get some sacks there. Like Hakeem Beeman is going to play in the middle a lot, Um you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he racks up a few sacks. Like, he's built like a defensive end playing tackle. Adiza Isaac, who we didn't even mention as, like, one of the core pass rushers beside Carter and Chop Robinson, is, you know, starting a season healthy for the first time in two years. He was great last year. So, sky's the limit for what this defense is able to do. Um, I think that there are some records that could be broken this year, whether it's you know, INTs, pass deflections, sacks, tackles for loss, anything. You set me up well there, Seth, because I want to get into the secondary as well. Um, I I asked the question as who do you think in this Penn State secondary is going to get the most interceptions? I was thinking about making, you know, Kalen King over under, but then I thought back to the way things worked with Joey Porter last year and how he just didn't get challenged enough to put up any interceptions. Um, and the, the opposing team said, we're going to take our chances with, at the time, it was Kalen King across the field as, as a freshman. Um, so who would you pick to actually make those plays? And do you think it's possible, even if Kalen King's really good, that he's nowhere close to the top of that leaderboard? And, and who should we be looking, be looking at if, that's, if it plays out that way as, as the guys who can lead this team in interceptions? Well, I think when teams are going to look at their you know, film leading up to the Penn State game, they're automatically going to be circling number four. Like, they know Kalen King – is very good because, you know, he was already one of the best corners in the country last year. And he argued, he was arguably not even the best corner on the team last year, mm-hmm. which is incredible. I mean, so that gave him a lot of opportunities. That's why it's, I think he had 16 pass deflections last year. Um, he's not going to be targeted as much as he was last year. Cause teams were afraid to throw to Joey Porter jr. Um, Johnny Dixon's a guy I think could have, you know, a big year. I don't know if it's going to be in the INT category, but he could have, you know, similar numbers to what Kalen had a year ago. And then some of those safeties as well. You know, whoever is going to win that free safety spot, um, whether it's Jalen Reed or Zaki Wheatley, um, I think they're in a position to have, you know, some good numbers similar to maybe what Jair Brown had a couple of years ago in the same in the same position. Yeah, I think Jair Brown led the team with four last season. Um, so let me just set the over-under for any of these guys. Is anyone going to go either at five or over five on this Penn State defense? It's hard to say. I mean, I think I think five is 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 doable. I, I would go I would go under though. I, I just think that you know it's still a little unproven in terms of what their play styles are going to be. I think this is going to be a, a gritty in the box secondary. Um, and I think that their best defensive back just isn't going to be targeted as much. And, 
I, I don't know if, if the actual starters, and James said the same thing, I don't know if the actual starters this year are going to be the, as good as they were last year, but they have you know good depth, so it's probably just going to get spaced out. I'll go under two, Seth. I think it's possible that, especially with this pass rush the way it is, you're going to get some deflections at the line of scrimmage, and you're going to get some linebackers maybe scooping up um, some of those interceptions that, that maybe would otherwise go to the guys in the secondary. Um, you know, and I think any way you can get the interceptions is great. I don't think yeah. it, you know the interception total is reflective of how good you are as a player. I think it's sometimes it, it just indicates that they want to go after you because they think you're the weaker link. Um, and I think that was definitely true with Kalen King last season, even though he was very good, he was still viewed as kind of the weaker link that they could go to. So I'm going to go under as well. I'm going to say some linebackers scoop up some of those interceptions, keep the overall secondary total a little bit lower. Um, Seth, anyone else that you're interested in watching on, you know, a statistical level this season and, and, you know, possibly putting up some big numbers. Yeah. I want to go back to the secondary. I think KJ Winston is a guy whose name people should know. Um, I don't know what his stats are going to look like this year, but I know that he's going to see the field a lot um, at that safety spot. I think Elliot Washington's another, he's a corner um, that's going to see good playing time this year as a true freshman. Um, those two guys are going to be the next up. Um, and I think they're poised to potentially make a big impact on defense. Okay. Well then keep an eye out. That is, that is Seth's pick is, is the guy to watch for. Um, Seth, this was, this was great. I enjoyed it. I know you got somewhere to get to, so we'll just wrap it up here. And next week we're going to be talking about setting up Penn State, West Virginia, under the lights in Happy Valley, a quasi whiteout is what I've been calling it to other people because I don't really think that the you know the helmet stripe thing really works, you know anything through anything other than whatever you know blimp they have looking down. They'll be like, oh, that looks like the helmet. I think if you're in the crowd or even in the stadium at all, you're not really going to see that. It's going to look like a whiteout, don't you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, well, we are going to get out of here. Please stay tuned later today. We're going to have the North Shore Drive with Christopher Carter. A lot of Steelers talk, uh, but glad we could slip some Penn State in here early on a Wednesday. Otherwise, we'll talk to you all again soon. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.